everybody. Welcome Hi. back to Sideways in Time. It's, it's a podcast, kind of. That's our at on Twitter. Uh, hope everybody's having a great week. It's actually friggin' gorgeous outside. Finally out here in Kansas City. Um, I had my windows open last night and the night yep. before. Oh, man. Me too. Hoping it sticks, stays like, like this for a while. Yeah. 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 Just It's just shy of hoodie weather, and there's nothing better than that. Oh, I mean... I'm in, I'm in yeah. my gear and I got my beanie. I'm ready to go. You're big pimping. Big hey, pimpin'. by I'm the over, way. I'm over in my uh, my Mark Andrews shirt. <laughs> nice. I'm one, of, I'm one of three people in the world that own this. Uh, the other <laughs> two are Mark Andrews and his mom. I'm surprised I didn't get a handwritten letter from Mark Andrews. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you for buying. Uh, nah, by the hey, way, everybody, I, the always wonderful, funny, one and only bearded Patriot Pat, I, I had a, I had an intro for you all planned out, and it just completely went to the wayside. What's up, Patrick? Not much. How you doing, my friend? Um, uh, as always, with me is the beautiful and covered and you know just a warm, down to earth, kind hearted Luch, Luchacrit. Hey, Luch. hey, I haven't seen you since uh, what was it, Friday or Saturday? Uh, Friday. Yeah, it was a Friday. Yeah. yeah, we uh, before we get into what we did on Friday, how about you tell us the weekly joke? Okay, well, um, did you hear they're doing a, a remake of the Highlander movie? I did. Yeah, yeah. This time they're going to use an all Mexican cast. There can be only one. One. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Horrible pun. Hey, man. Hey, you know. It's content. That's a Patriot Pat original right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the At- kind of shit I told on stage in front of tens of people. <laughs> tens of people. <laughs> that was funnier than the initial joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, on uh, on Friday, uh, this past Friday, we were able to finally, if anybody's been paying attention, you know, Journey Journey Pro Wrestling here in KC, they did this. Uh, all our shows were secret shows, and they did this special thing uh, where they didn't uh, let us know where the location was, but dropped little little hints, let us figure it out for ourselves. Pat and I are obviously not the quickest uh, nope. because we put out several videos of us trying to find it in multiple different places and with no luck. And finally, we showed up as the show was going on. We didn't, let's be honest, Luch, we didn't even find it. We fucking stumbled across it. Yeah, we just walked up on it. Somehow, I don't know how your wife met us there. I, you know, I don't know if she was driving. I don't know what happened with that, but her being there and us just happening to find it, I don't get that, but. She, she pinged my phone. She knows I get lost easy. So she pings my phone. It's kind of like, you know, like the little kids with the leash. Yeah. I kind of have that with the cell phone because, um, yeah, I, I get. I wander. <laughs> yeah, hey, and we just happened to wander right into the right place. Uh, Journey Pro Wrestling, like I said. What, what are the odds? Yeah, right. Uh, all our shows are secret shows. It was out in Edwardsville, Kansas, at Edwardsville City Park. I'm not going to lie. I finally got to make it to a wrestling show on a on a baseball field. That was awesome. The was lighting like was great. one. Oh yeah, the lighting was phenomenal. The uh, the outside the ring pads were it was dirt, dirt, and, 
and as I was, I was as I had explained earlier in the night that night, it wasn't actually dirt. It was like broken down rocks. So yeah, it was, it was, just, it was it baseball. Was it was it, it, if you've been on a baseball infield, like a little league one, that that's exactly what it was. You know, just that gravelly, rocky, sandy. <laughs> yeah, fun yeah. to slide in occasionally. Not fun to like get body slammed and tackled and dive on repeatedly. Right. So to go over a few highlights, um, because it was a really awesome show. I think everybody that showed up, including ourselves, had an amazing time. Um, uh, you know, DJ and uh, and Walter seemed to have a wonderful time. Um, so, yeah, it was all around a good show. A couple of the major highlights. Uh, the uh, well, I guess it was the semi main event. Um, um, Jeremy Wyatt versus Kenny Alfonso for the Gateway Heritage Championship. Uh, go ahead and tell us how you feel about, about Kenny Alfonso. Got the body of a Greek god. Dude, he said it at least 12 times at the show. Uh, and on every show we have so far that we've mentioned that guy's have name. Have you seen him? He is chiseled from marble. Michelangelo would look at his form and weep. Oh, man. So, yeah. Needless to say, it was a great match. Uh, anytime you put either one of the two of them in a match with anybody, it's probably going to be pretty good, even though Jeremy Wyatt's a piece of shit. Uh, yeah, big piece of shit. But, but badass but match. God, can he work? God damn, uh, can he work? Know, and that pile driver at the end, I mean, you know, Kenny Alfonso looked like he had actually had the match going for him mm-hmm. uh, early on, uh, and then he just kind of lost lost step at towards the end there and then uh and then yeah jeremy white got him um a surprise at the end of that kld kevin lee davison from st louis came walking out none of us were really sure what was going on with that sure enough he, he comes came in barreling down that aisle like a god like the boulder in fucking raiders as soon <laughs> as soon as i saw jovi i immediately got sour because that means that Jovi has collected yet another indie talent into his regime and KLD immediately ran in and beat the holy shit out of Kenny Alfonso, setting up what I would assume to be a, a feud, which I'm excited about. Maybe that means we'll see KLD more often in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, awesome match. Um, another probably match of the night for me personally, even though it didn't really take place very much in the ring at all. Uh, the... <laughs> The Howlettes, which are, let me, let me just say, and I said it on Twitter at Lucha Chris TV at gone Patrick at podcast. Kinda. Um, I said on my Twitter account that the Howlettes are rapidly becoming one of my tag favorite tag teams, period of all time. Like their intensity is infectious. I think that's exactly what I even said on my Twitter account, uh, on my Twitter account on the twit, uh, and on the platter. Yeah, uh, versus Christian Rose and Gary J. Um, if you want to know what what led up to this, check out episode two. Uh, we we discussed it a little bit more in detail there, but they were speaking of that dirt rock floor. This was a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, they beat the holy hell out of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Dust everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It, what 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 was your take from this match? Uh, 
Well, first off, uh, a moment of silence for that one woman's chair. Um, <laughs> that, that poor. I recommended chair, a man. ten bell salute at the next show. Yeah. Um, it it was the most fun because you had stuff going on everywhere. The four of them, are, you know, just beating the shit out of each other was incredible. Uh, you know, it was the the chemistry that they have. You know, the four of them have is is great. And like you're saying, the Howlets, Hoodie is like one of the scariest some bitches around. Absolutely. And, and that's not taking anything away from Anaya. The way I would put it is like, you know, Anaya would rip your face off. Hoodie would grill it up and eat it and oh, make yeah. you watch with 100%. your eyelidless face that's a very um, good uh interpretation of that yeah and they put they put christian rose through a table at the ri- at ringside there was a bunch yep. of like uh dive spots speaking of dive spots where right behind us where the hard cam was uh was also a box truck uh gary j just like happened to disappear out of nowhere they're all kind of brawling right there they dis- gary j disappears climbs up and does a huge uh crossbody dive into all all three of the, the guys at below um, that was a super cool spot. At one point, the Howlettes were climbing the uh, the like fence. I don't know yeah, the batter's cage. I don't or... know exactly what they were trying to accomplish with that, but it looked really cool. Because if you were in the right position, the, the the pictures made it look like it was a hell in the cell match. The, the yeah, whole night. Uh, with with the first ten ropes of the crowd in yeah. the cell. <laughs> uh, so that was a badass match. The Howlettes, of course. Uh, they they beat Gary J and Christian Rose. Also, Christian Rose tore up his ticket to ride uh, that Walter had given a free one basically to Gary and Christian Rose uh, due to the way things happened at the Lemonade uh, Park show. Christian Rose said he wanted to earn it. He didn't want to be given it. Uh, they lose the match. I'm not sure what happens from there. Obviously, I think we're supposed to find out either this coming Monday or the following Monday when the next journey pro show is uh there was also there was a lot of other great matches but i do want to also um mention that uh on dark's been picking up all kinds of local talent indie guys this guy's not from kansas city he's not from st louis but he's one of the guys that's a regular in our towns um uh jdx uh who wrestled at journey pro that night will be facing wardlow on dark uh, I actually, I think that happened. It was yesterday. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, it, it, so that, that was pretty cool. I lost myself right there for a well, second. Then, I'm back. Uh, Stallion, Stallion Rogers, who is, you know, he's from Texas, but he was a mainstay. And I mean, he, st- he lived in St. Louis for a while. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's teaming with, uh, I forget his name now. He was August Gregg in NXT, but he's teaming with, uh, those two are teaming up on uh, Dark as well. So yeah, St. Louis, Kansas City, you know that Iowa, you know this whole area, you get a lot of fucking talent from here that you don't realize. You know, yeah. it's I don't know, it's weird cause it, because this is flyover country. You think like everybody's from New York or LA or maybe Florida. There's Texas, a lot of and Minnesota like, and and stuff like yeah, that. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of heritage here, you, like going back all the way Harley Race and the Ortons and stuff. So, anyway. The Gateway Heritage Championship, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. So there's also a picture as I'm sc- scrolling through uh, Journey Pro's Twitter. Uh, 
at Journey Pro Casey. Uh, there's a picture of Warhorse who made uh, his his return to Journey Pro on that show, and behind him oh, is a handsome pa- Patriot Pat and a handsome Luchacris in the background. So there's that. Uh, um, did, did you know this about Warhorse? He rules ass. Oh no, he he rules he, he rules so much ass. Uh, I love. He, He's oh, also, I just saw when I woke up this morning, one of the first things I saw is that he's uh, debuting in MLW here shortly. So yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. I, I saw you tweet that. That's that's awesome. That's yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's big stuff for him. Yeah. Congrats uh, to him. All around, there was there was definitely more to that card. Um, the, the three-way match between uh, the girls was really cool. That whole first opening segment of it of them trying to figure out the dance moves and stuff was actually I, that had me pop yeah that was it was fun it was cute i was cracking up and then the match itself turned out to be awesome um of course uh and uh yeah so anyway and then they had a show the following night uh neither one of us were able to make it to the show unfortunately but it was a daytime show another free show uh for the i guess the edwardsville illinois um edwardsville fair. kansas that's what I meant. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm from the other side, sort of, kind of. No, enough. I like I said at the show, it screwed me up because I used to live in Edwardsburg, Michigan. So, oh. the, you know, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Uh, needless to say, Journey Pro was phenomenal yet again, and mm-hmm. we got to see a bunch of uh, our regular friends and family, and we met some new friends and family, and. Uh, your wife's first journey pro show what'd she think about she it? absolutely loved it she's talking about the way home she was like i wasn't expecting it to be that good she goes she said it was like a um because you know uh, uh, the, the talent you know it wasn't like uh dynamite or raw or anything like that you know the show she was she goes but the matches were solid and the talent was really good she had a lot of fun oh and I want to apologize to, uh, I'm going to give a shout out apology to Brian. So yeah, Brian comes up and he goes, Hey Pat, and I'm looking at him like, I know this guy, but I can't fucking remember. And, and then, I, you know, and he was like, Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. We met at the first, and I was like, Oh crap. Yeah. And then I was looking on Twitter and I'm like, he's, he's been following me since jump and like and everything. And I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. I apologize, Brian. So shout out to him uh, and his wife. Who were right next Shout to, out to the show. Life. They had a, yeah, they had a great time. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my wife absolutely loved it. So yeah, she's looking forward to the next one. Awesome. Yeah. So all around, it was a great night. Uh, another highlight too, real quick. Speaking of Warhorse, was uh, was Koo, who I had never seen. Holy crap! Wrestle before, and he ended up ultimately going over in that match. Uh, they were fucking awesome together, and he was. I, I can't wait to see him again. Like, yeah, I'm surprised yeah. I had not heard of him yet. Yeah, me, me neither. And yeah, I hope he does a lot more stuff with Journey Pro. And you know, I can see, I can see bigger things for him. Dude is fucking talented. Yeah, he was really good, man. I, I was impressed. And he had his comedy was on point, you know, but his his st- his wrestling style and his intensity was on point. He kind of had a full package, honestly. He, he mm-hmm. was he was uh I he was really good. that closely at him. So I don't know if his package was full, but you know, he was, Oh, I did. <laughs> but hey. he had... Yeah. So <laughs> moving on, uh, we're going to go ahead and move forward here to uh, just a quick highlight of AEW this week. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy week. 
and I know I've, I think I've said that at the last couple of weeks, which is why we didn't have a show for a week, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, just a reminder, we're filming this on Wednesday, but it won't release until Thursday. So right. uh, we'll be discussing uh, the dynamite from last week, not the and, Arthur Ashe dynamite. Right. And uh, the rampage as well. So um just real quickly because and the reason i said something about it being crazy is i didn't get to see either show all the way through i did get to see the majority of it um and it kind of bums me out sometimes when i when i really can't find the time to really dedicate to pay attention to AEW, just because I, I feel like at any every week if you miss something you're you're missing something it's the you know it's I'm not like if you it's not like yeah. if you miss a couple raws and it's like ah well the stories don't mean shit anyway you miss yeah. a, a dynamite or a rampage, you're gonna miss part of the story. You miss a few rods, you come back and you're like, "Oh, Alexa has a new doll." Right. What's? Let's see what's on another channel. This is stupid. Um, uh, and I know we said before the show when we talked that there was nothing really to talk about on uh, Raw or SmackDown. I will at the end of this little AEW segment. I do have a couple things I wanted to mention, and that just reminded me of it. Um, okay. And, and so I'll, I'll get to that when we get there, but yeah, so dynamite's card was Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian. I don't know if anybody actually watches AEW or watched impact or ring of honor. Frankie Kazarian is extremely underrated. Yeah. That dude can fucking go and putting him with Adam Cole for Adam Cole's first match. It's obvious. Frankie Kazarian is one of those guys that they're like, look, man, we need somebody to look real good. Uh, mm -hmm. let's have Frankie go in there because he's going to look good coming out of it regardless and he's going to make his opponent look amazing and that's all that match was. It was fantastic. Uh, and, oh God. It, I like Frankie more now than I did back in the, you know, when I was watching him on Impact and stuff. I, I appreciate I, it a lot more now than I used to. Yeah, I but I, I just, I like his look now. He looks like just a grizzled, angry yep. motherfucker who's, you know, yeah, I, I, I dig it. I agree. Uh, then we had uh, we also had Moxley versus Eddie Kingsland, Kingsland, Kingston versus 2.0. Uh, again, 2.0 being used exactly how they should be, and nobody can go wrong with John and Mox. John nope, and Mox, man. I word so good every week. Yeah, Moxley you, and you Kingston. Think, uh, good thing we're not recording this and putting this out there in the masses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, we could say we are international now. Because, you know, I looked on our anchor uh, <laughs> yeah. analytics and we have one listener in Germany. So to you, I say, ich habe keine Kartoffels a lot. See. We also had uh, Jade Cargill versus legit Layla Hirsch. Um, that was I, tight. Th I, this is one of the matches I didn't, I, I didn't see, but those two were really fucking good. So there's, there's not really much I can, I can. I can only assume it was a good match. Let's put it that way. Cargill is a year, 18 months away from, uh, you know, maybe two years from just do breaking out. And I mean, she, she's just got to build up uh, matches and get in ring work, but God damn it. She good. And then legit Layla Hirsch, that fucking moniker. That is accurate. She is legit. I she's mean, a little, oh. she's a little beast, man. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, but, Oh Yeah. <laughs> I, that was a lot of fun. I, uh, I was in, I was expecting a pretty decent match, but I I uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I don't have to say a whole. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it. But Dan Lampert uh, returned again and made an appearance. Let me just say, 
for all the Dan Lampert haters, uh, go fuck yourself. That dude is one of the best personalities in pro wrestling in many, many years. Like, it, it, it's mind-boggling to me how good he is at talking and being, yeah. like, a wrestling personality in front of that crowd. Dude is I fucking, fucking hate him. Exactly. He, exactly. And he is so good. And, yep, and... He's got a bright future if he wants it. Let's just put it that way. You know, I don't know. Well, of, of you know, what? I mean, he's, yeah, he's young. He can, yeah. He's not super young, but, uh, <laughs> but about, I, I will say I'm excited that uh, he and New Balance have teamed up. <laughs> There's the official Dan Lambert shoe. Wow. Uh, we also had Daniel Bryan interview. If I'm not mistaken, this was the interview that was cut off by Kenny. Uh, I get, I'm getting Rampage and Dynamite kind of mixed up, but. Uh, it's it's going to turn into the – it's not for the championship. It's the battle for the white tees, um, and I'm here for it. And then, of course, the uh, what I think personally was the match of the night was Darby Allen versus Sean Spears. That was good. It's a killer fucking match, man. That, there's not really much else can be said. That, was, that match was phenomenal. Uh, Darby doing the regular Darby thing, but Sean Spears, who hasn't actually been utilized as much since being a part of AEW um, – it, yeah, I, I was extremely entertained by that one. And then we also go into uh, Rampage. And really, for me personally, I was excited to see uh, Butcher back with the Blade. And because of that, we had the Butcher and the Blade with Bunny versus the Lucha Brothers. Uh, and that match, I mean, it was fucking awesome. I mean, it was it, it was it was ugly, but and it was there just to, it was basically there to set up luchas versus uh santana and ortiz uh right who are they pride and powerful is that the name of their team pride and powerful um they obviously they came out to help save the lucha brothers at the end um and you know pretty much the entire hfo uh was out there so they kind of help even the even the odds um and obviously the lucha brothers retain uh let's see we also had this is the one I really didn't get to see too much. So I guess we got another Miro versus uh, Fuego del Sol. I wish I would have seen this one. I'm going to have to watch it as soon as I get a second. That was uh, fun. Um, yeah, Fuego lost, lost his car. And the best thing was he tweeted the next day, can anybody give yeah. me a ride? I, I, I did see that. That's fucking hilarious. And then um, speaking of AEW, uh, Kansas City just found out that we're going to get a little treat, a little piece of, of, of the best piece of candy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, this, ain't, this ain't no Mary Jane or Squirrel Nut Zipper. This no, a, no, we're this talking about Twix. This is a left-handed Twix, and also melted into with a Snickers and a Reese's yeah. Fast Break, uh, and like wrapped in a Kit Kat. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, uh, Wednesday, November third, in Independence, Missouri, at the Cable Demar Arena. Independence. Uh, we're getting our, we're getting a dynamite, everybody, and. uh I'm pretty stoked because the St. Louis date that wasn't far after that was canceled or at least postponed and changed to another city. So Kansas city, Kansas city is way closer than St. Louis for me. Uh, so I'm definitely tickets go on sale this Friday. Shit. Yeah. Uh, 10 AM. I go to work uh, at 11. So I will be on the website buying tickets. Even though I don't want to tell any of you all this information so that we can get our tickets before you tickets also start from $29. So, uh, and I have to, I have to admit or not admit, but I've never been to this arena, but I will say that 
anytime I had been to a WWE show and got the $20 nosebleed seats, it's still a fucking fantastic show. So get the cheap seats too. It's really not going to matter. You're going to have a great time. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. <clears throat> and a couple of things, like I said, I wanted to mention about the other shows. Um, you mentioned the Charlotte Flair thing. I specifically don't want to go into great detail of the dark side of the ring episode about the plane run from yeah. hell. I think everybody that's left. went over that. Yeah. Our show doesn't need to go there. Everybody knows about it. That being said, I have to assume my brother and I were talking about this yesterday. You know, the promo between Alexa Bliss and Charlotte last week or this week uh, was interesting to me because they did a lot of uh, Alexa talking about how, you know, who are you? You know, they were going back and forth about who's more original, which is funny because Charlotte was like, well, look at you clearly showing that she was uh, a blatant ripoff of the fiend or, or, uh, you know, the create the continuation of the fiend character because uh, of Wyndham being taken off television and out of the company, but also bliss poking at Charlotte about the whole flair legacy. I have to assume maybe I'm wrong. And I'm, you know, knowing WWE and my, uh, in my, my predictions of WWE television, uh, I have a feeling maybe they're trying to repackage Charlotte. Nah, they, they might. They dropped the woo, I guess, from the, and the opening. And Flair's picture, you know. So. Uh, I, and I think it'd be good for her, too. We all, at this point, the Flair name has a stat. She, she worked that to her advantage and did a very fantastic job doing it, in my opinion. Um, so that being said, with everything that happened, if you haven't seen the Dark Side of the Ring episode about the plane ride from hell, by all means, go check it out. Uh, it's a lot more gnarly than we all thought, even though most of us knew a, a good majority by now what happened. So if you want more details on that, go check that out as to why I'm saying they're probably going to start to make Charlotte her own thing. My brother swears Charlotte's going to leave the company in a couple years. I don't know where she would go. I mean, yeah, she could go to AEW. And she would probably be great. Um, but I feel like she's a lifer. But considering both her dad and her her boyfriend, fiance, whatever, whatever he is in Andrade being there and her dad being gone, maybe she would be tempted to leave. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just real quick, uh, I did find out. And I think I don't know if we mentioned it or not last week, but we find out later on that. Uh, Meltzer, per usual, is pretty full of shit. So uh, Vince, <laughs> Vince and Pritchard are not completely overtaking the new NXT 2.0. They do have their hand on creative as far as it goes through them now, whereas before they didn't focus on NXT. They just kind of let NXT do NXT. So now they're the they're the the you know, the final boss of NXT creative, but ultimately they don't make any of the changes being that triple H is gone, which apparently there's uh, reports that have come out that triple H is doing pretty good uh, since his cardiac uh, event. They keep calling it. Um, he thanked everybody. And, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I I'm, I'm glad he's doing well. I love absolutely uh, being that he was gone. The person that was actually in charge of the first 2.0 show was Shawn Michaels. Um, who will be the one kind of spearheading the show until Triple H comes back, which is kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to me. 
Um, and the one takeaway, other than the fact that it seemed like there was a million introductions and no one getting over uh, of new talent, they are uh, Bron Breaker and is going straight to Ciampa. Uh, and so it looks like they're going to have some kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I- you if know. you look at the if you look at the dynamic, you go out with the old and with the new. Right. Champa's the old way, uh, and he is he exemplifies the old way of NXT. I agree. Um, you know, and I was shit. Even you look at his shirts; all his shirts are black and gold. <laughs> right. Right. You know, all all his but merch so is are black Adam and gold. Coles. So. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they still are. Yeah. So so, anyways, that was the little bit of, I wanted to take away from. Um, uh, wwe and nxt so from there we can uh actually we're gonna we're gonna bring on our old friend jcb for yet another uh speaking of wwe he's got himself a wwe rant that involves uh the uh hurt business and so we're gonna hear from him and we'll be right back he's heating up what's up everybody it's your boy jcb jason cornelius bell i'm back for this week's weekly rant my rant this week is going to be on the Hurt Business, or in this case, the lack thereof. We had a really good Monday Night Raw this week. Uh, the opening match being the Bloodline versus the New Day. Wouldn't it have been cool to have the Hurt Business there as well? Make it a triple threat, a Bill Beatty special. Have Shelton and Cedric and Bobby Lashley together. The way they should have been. They should have never been broken up. And I'm said this so many times and it's going to be one of the things i hammer home for the rest of 2021 her business was a really good tag team you put them together they got the crowd invested and then you broke them up for drew mcintyre's feud with bobby lashley there was no reason to break them up okay now that mvp's gone and you don't have cedric and uh shelton benjamin bobby lashley's basically out there doing this thing by himself don't get me wrong obviously he can handle his business physically in the ring but it had been nice to have a couple of sidekicks to take care of the, the bloodline and the New Day next to him. Bobby Lashley isn't the best talker. That's why you have MVP around. You take Bobby, defic- Bobby Lashley's deficiencies and you work around them. These are a couple of things that you could have done to help out not only Bobby Lashley, but the tag team division. A few weeks ago, we had the tag team t- uh, turmoil match where it was a gauntlet match or whatever the case may be, and New Day had five matches. You don't think the Hurt Hurt Business could have came in and had a couple of those matches too? That's just fucking ridiculous. The bottom line is the Hurt Business is broken up way too early. You've had opportunities, at least a couple that I can think of off the top of my head, to put them in situations where they could have made a good storyline better and a better storyline great. Monday night was one of those times, and for my benefit, they dropped the ball. This is your boy, JCB. I'm out. And we're back. Uh, yet again, thank you, JCB, for chiming in every week and uh, giving us a nice little rant. Yes, I don't disagree. Thank you, JCB. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her business is a severely under, well, not even underused anymore since they're not together. Yeah, but, that was, that was, when they broke them up, I, I, I couldn't believe that because you had something really going and now yeah, well, especially if they're trying to with. eliminate the brand split like there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that are trying to eliminate that and i don't agree or disagree i'm kind of indifferent i think it would make sense for a little while but being that you have you know the the tribe or what are they calling 
the uh, bloodline, the bloodline, and then you've got the new day, and then you've got hurt business, and then you've got like you've got all these badass groups. Like I, you know, WWE never likes to pull the trigger on on stables, and I, it always worked really well. So, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, again, thank you, JCB at BFRJCB on Twitter at BFR Pod is banned from Ringside Podcast where he comes from at BFR Bill and at BFR Zach with an H. As always, check them out every Friday. Their podcast is superb. Uh, their, their podcast, unlike ours, their podcast is entertaining. It's super um, entertaining. It's really good. You know, I think our podcast is just a commercial for their podcast. Well, it, it is, and, 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 and gladly so. Uh, but it was funny because last <laughs> week's episode that they did, uh, Bill got a little got a little tipsy by the end of the episode yeah. and it showed yeah, I noticed that. and it was really funny because by the end they did yeah. they did the birthdays at the end and the and the odds and ends and they just pretty much cut the show off <laughs> like yeah bill was it was it was going off the rails yeah, he uh, was banged yeah. Up. I, I wonder i wonder what was on the cutting room floor yeah oh. nothing they don't ever put anything on the cutting room floor but uh, before which, we before we move on from last week's shows i did watch impact i've been yeah. watching a lot of impact uh it's a good show yeah, don't sleep on Impact. That is solid. It is, it is really good. Uh, the ten man tag was awesome, um, and uh, you know I know Christian is the champ, but goddamn, is there anybody better than Josh Alexander? Yeah, so good, man. <laughs> it's just amazing. He's I'm actually just... beyond the uh, an- another another plug to some uh, friends in St. Louis, the uh, uh, Grand Isle Wrestling Podcast. Uh, he'll be on that it's either already up or it's, or it's coming up. I'm not exactly sure, but if you haven't already go check out uh wrestling grand or Grandel wrestling podcast. Uh, it was a promotion that was going to get started up before the pandemic hit and it turned into a podcast and it's going to evolve from there, but it's involving a lot of good people from down there. Uh, so if you can go check it out. But cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, what was it? They had a, uh, Oh, they had the pay-per-view on Friday. I forget what it was. And I apologize. Um, but it, it, I don't get Impact Plus, and you know I can only afford <laughs> one pay per view every now and then, and it's going to be AEW. The Bound um, for Glory was it Bound for Glory? I don't know, but yeah, uh, Christian beat uh, Austin to retain, um, setting up uh, uh, Josh Alexander. He's using his X Division clause uh, to challenge Christian Cage for the title, and I think that's the way to go. I think. You pass you pass the title to Christian or Christian pass it to Josh Alexander, who is fucking impact. You take it you take um, it off of Christian already? I would take it off Christian, yeah. He he got the he got the I think he's getting more eyes on impact. You give it to Alexander and have him be champ. And then Christian goes back to AEW. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That, that, a, that's my take. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not against it. Um and yeah so so yeah don't sleep on impact i love the show uh what nights are they uh, on they uh thursday night uh i don't know what time because i just record it i got you uh, I just, yeah i just dvr it and, and watch it on my downtime sweet uh yeah so like he said don't sleep on impact well patriot puff is whining i gotta let her out all right come on baby You don't have to go radio silent. I mean, that's all right. I'll just I'll just cut between it. It's fine. 
the the uh, the beauty of editing. All right, and I'm back. All right. So without further ado, we're going to jump into our next segment here, our Mount Rushmore. And this week we are doing the Mount, our Mount Rushmore of the best talkers in the business. Now, clearly this could be a much bigger Mount Rushmore than four guys yeah. or girls. Uh, but uh, sadly, Mount Rushmore has four heads on it. So we're going to have to go with four of our favorite talkers in the business. Um and uh, Patrick, why don't you go ahead and go first? All right. Uh, mine, I'm going to start with somebody new, MJF. And it's a good one. Because he exudes everything from all the history of you know, great heel talkers. Old school um, heel. It, it just, yeah. And he pulls every, he pulls no punches. He, yeah, he's an old school mentality, but in 2021, uh, freedom, I guess, uh, you know, so, you know, you're allowed to say a lot more now than you could in the, you well, know, especially, 80s, especially 90s. AEW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say culturally, you can get away with a lot more on TV than you could. 20, oh, yeah, years. of course. Um, so, yeah. So I love MJF. Uh, love to hate MJF. Um, another one who, uh, just because he was so erratic, he didn't know what was going to happen. Roddy Piper. Uh, oh yeah, he's great too, man. Just, you know, just when you think you know the answers, I change the questions. Uh, you know, I just all the quips and stuff he had. He could also so be known as fun. one of the greatest yellers. Yeah, in the, in the wrestling business. And yeah, and I mean, it wasn't always coherent. You couldn't always follow him. Um, you know, he got you from point A to point B, but you to, went some convoluted polar route to get there. Um, but yeah, I, I always entertained by him. Um, my next one, Stone Cold. I loved his promos. I loved his rants because it was it was the angry working man. And that's what I was at the time. You know, I was in the army at the time, you know, and you know, you want to yell at your boss and stuff. And he's the one going, you know, flipping his boss up, calling him a piece of trash and, you know, stopping a mud hole in his butt. So, you know, that's one and, of my uh, guys. Oh, okay. So yeah, not, I love one, him. not one of my Mount Rushmore, just one of my guys. Oh, okay. I love that. Okay. Stone Cold's one of my favorites. And then to top it off, not a wrestler, but uh, my, in my opinion, hands down the best talker in the game, Paul Heyman. Yeah. That's not, and that's not, that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. That's a, yeah. That's his, that's his thing. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, dude can, the thing I liked about him is he could make, like when, when he was with Brock and he, Brock was facing Finn and Brock was facing AJ, he could put Brock over in the same promo while putting Finn over, while putting AJ over. So you always had that little nugget just from Paul's promo. You know, you got that little nugget that maybe this little guy could be the big bad Brock Lesnar. So he's just got a way of weaving it. His work with Roman is just phenomenal because he's a little slimier. Especially Um, with the dynamic between him and Brock now, that whole thing is so intriguing. 
Yeah, that's and I gotta I gotta go back and watch some of the Raws and stuff um, and Smackdowns just to see uh, his stuff with that. Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, that's that's my Rushmore: MJF, Stone Cold, Roddy Piper, and Polly Dangerously. All fantastic. What's funny is my this will kind of give away my my shoot name uh, a little bit, but my first Twitter handle was actually Murray Dangel- Dangerously. <laughs> my last name's, we're going to say Merzano. So anyway, uh, that awesome, all four of those are fucking fantastic. Like I, I'm actually jealous I didn't uh, pick Paul Heyman, even though he was, he was on my list and I crossed him out uh, for another one. Um, mine, I'm going to have to start with, and I went back and forth about this, but I'm just going to stick with it because you know what? Uh, Chris Jericho is yeah. one of the greatest talkers in the business. Um, he's always able to talk his way in or out of any scenario. The whole list of Jericho going back even further than that. Dude dude can cut a promo just as good if not. I mean, look, in AEW alone, he a little bit of the bubbly like mm-hmm. was something that was just spontaneous that they let him he just went off and said and it turned into one of the most lucrative things in the beginning over, of the over company. a year later you're still seeing signs of it signs know? of it they actually made custom uh champagne that's called a little bit of the bubbly his action <laughs> figure came out with a little bottle of the bubbly. oh my gosh like dude <laughs> don't like i mean so that alone should say something um i'm also going to put cm punk in that category uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, dude's famous for the pipe bomb. The dude's famous for basically every pipe bomb because in WWE He's famous for honesty, uh, honesty. And even if he was full of shit, even if we we're getting worked, he was still so good at yeah. getting yeah. his point across. And he's, he's very just, yeah, okay. he was very intense talker. He, he's famous for validity because you know, right. you, you, you buy into it, you know, you, so, or believability. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so get, so yeah. again, I feel like the the pipe bomb was somewhat of a of a shoot, but it was also somewhat of a work. It had to be because I think once he got to that tail end part where he starts talking about the anti bullying campaign and they cut his mic, I feel like that was worked. Doesn't matter. It it got everybody it, riled it up, worked. and he he started a movement based on his talking skills. Everybody remembers him being able to wrestle. There's no question he can go in the ring. But I think where he really made his mark was with the microphone. Like he was able to convince everyone that every word he said was true, whether it was or it wasn't. Uh, another one, which I kind of, it was either between Stone Cold or this one. And there's a reason why I picked this one and I'll, and I'll explain. I'm going to say The Rock. Uh, because even towards the end of his actual full-time run, he could go either backstage or in front of the crowd and say something that made absolutely no sense. He would just go off on his little jabroni rants and, you know, putting his foot in, in salad dressing and sticking up your candy ass or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and he was able to just say anything and it, it just popped everybody. Like no matter what he said, whether he was heel face, a tweener, whatever, he just popped everyone every single time he opened his mouth. The dude, well, yeah, yeah he was fantastic at it. And he also, because uh, jabroni was a, a term, uh, a backstage term. 
right. that not many people knew. Yeah. So, so you it, know, he brought that out. I mean, you know, he, he kind of pulled back the veil. Oh, and that, he, he's another one. It's like, you know, yes, he was a good wrestler. He was maybe even a great wrestler, but he wasn't famous because of his wrestling ability. He was kind of like Hogan, where he had a handful of really good moves and could work outside of that. But he got famous and got over because of his ability to talk to the crowd and mm -hmm. talk to the wrestlers. So he's one of my favorites. And then, of course, you know, I mean, of course, my number one who's on my, probably my number one list for almost any category you can go through. Uh, Bones is excited. I don't know if you can hear him, um, mm -hmm. but Mick Foley, like you're stupid. Why? <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Fuck? <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, no, you're dude, absolutely right. Mick Foley is one of the greatest of all time in general. If you, if you ask me and you didn't, but I'm telling you anyway, uh, his ECW promos specifically were some of the best promos ever on tele wrestling television of all time. The intensity yeah. he put into those promos and the realism. And he really, he was like the, the, the actors that play Joker. He went all in, in the cactus Jack, you know, Mick Foley hybrid in ECW, his work as mankind. Everybody wants to give undertaker credit for get making a, you know, a, a, dead undead grave digging guy over for 30 plus years mick foley was able to make a dude who was i guess just a psychopath in mankind the original in incarnation of mankind that mask the whole nine yards he was able to turn that into one of the most intriguing gimmicks of all time especially at that time his he was able to turn that into a marketing juggernaut his like his guttural like throaty whiny screechy promos and he's just pulling his hair out and just it, he was just so intense man and he believed every word he said he was just fantastic as any of his pro as mick foley as mankind as cactus jack as dude love like he was able to shift gears in all the right ways and make each one of them talk just just right for that gimmick like it, he was awesome he was one of the best ever, uh, if not the best, in my opinion, as far as influence wise, like he had to have influenced an entire generation of talkers. Uh, so, yeah, but that being said, your last one was was Paul Heyman. My last one was Mick Foley, both coming from ECW uh, at one time or another. Uh, I'm going to throw in a little a little uh, tidbit here that I think I might add to every show. Uh, if you were ever a listener to my old show, Getting Over Podcast, which lasted maybe four episodes, uh, then you know that every episode I did a, a today in history, in, in wrestling history, and today in wrestling history, what are we? Uh, it's uh, September 22nd, 2001. And September 22nd, 1996, WWE held their In Your House Mind Games pay-per-view in uh, Pennsylvania in ugh, words. Pennsylvania uh and this was the uh the show where Sami Ovega beat Bradshaw in the Caribbean strap match uh this was also uh during the match when ECW's Tommy Dreamer uh, Sandman Paul Heyman came out to ringside uh Sandman spat beer in a couple of the wrestlers faces 
they start kind of having like a little brawl. This is the first time ECW had made an appearance in WWE as ECW guys. Uh, you know, all they, they, they did a fairly good job making it seem like a shoot. Uh, Taz and Perry Saturn also with ECW at the time were seated in the crowd as well. Uh, also on that show, Owen Hart versus Davy Boy Smith defeated the tag champions, the Smoking Guns. Oh, speaking of Owen Hart, uh, just a real oh, quick, yeah. AEW is just the salt of the earth. Uh, I think it's also mainly because his wife wants absolutely nothing with WWE making any kind of money or, or any mention of Owen. But AEW is doing an Owen Hart tournament. And uh, I think that's and that the the trophy itself is called the Owen. Uh, it's, yeah, the Owen or the Owen Cup. Yeah, um, uh, I think that's one of the coolest things AEW has been able to accomplish. They're since doing their an action figure, and yeah. they are doing uh, uh, Owen in the AEW video game. So I don't do a whole lot of uh, figure collecting outside of masked figures. Like I, I collect a lot of action figures and a lot of wrestling figures. Normally, I stick with the masks. I have a uh, uh, no, it, it escapes me. The blue, what was his blue last blazer. gimmick? I have blue the blue blazer. blazer bone cruncher, still mint on card. Uh, so I have an Owen Hart figure, uh, but I will be getting this one when AEW puts it out because they put out they have some f- fantastic toys. Uh, so anyway, going back to uh, the day in history, obviously. I, I chose this one uh, because of the ECW reference, obviously, because if you're aware of what we're doing this week, our what if segment this week is what if Paul Heyman and ECW were able to find a TV deal uh, to keep ECW alive. This one's going to be really fun for me because I'm a big ECW fan. I was then I still am, uh, even though a lot of it's pretty cringe these days, um, but it'd be I think it'd be a disservice to say that ECW wasn't one of the biggest influences in modern professional wrestling ever, regardless of its uh, status or, or, you know, it's hardcore nature. Uh, So as usual, every week, we're going to jump in our time machine. We're going to go sideways in time and we're going to discuss what if Paul Heyman and ECW were able to get TV. Uh, Obviously just as a little lead in, in 1999, uh, ECW was moving towards a somewhat more sponsor-friendly product. Um, you know, the fans wanted it to remain extreme and wanted it to keep it its hardcore nature. Uh, but, you know, sponsor, it was really hard to hold on to sponsors at the time because that hardcore nature just was not a very universally loved product. It was hard to keep sponsors because of the lewd, you know, violent and bloody nature of ECW at the time, which turned a lot of people off, uh, to be fair. Uh, WWE was actually helping fund ECW there for a time. I think that was a mostly unknown fact up until the last, you know, 10 years or so. Uh, And because of it, you know, Paul Heyman did everything he says he could to keep, you know, ECW on TV. Um, There was a deal with TNN uh, that they were on TNN for a while. They, you know, they considering TN 
TNN's ratings weren't very good for any of their other products. ECW's hardcore TV was, but that's not saying very much as far as ratings were concerned. Yeah, um, that was like, it's you like know, being being the uh, the highest turd in the toilet bowl. I mean, right, and that's and yeah, that's TNN TNN morphed into Spike, but back then they always because it was the Nashville network and well, it was and that, very nuanced. It was, and that's the thing too. So TNN, the reason they put ECW Hardcore TV on TNN at the time because they were the guinea pigs for WWE. Because as we know, and we talked about it last week. Uh, WWE Raw ended up on TNA, mm-hmm. TNN for a short period of time. So let's start there. Um, obviously, ECW, that last couple of weeks, we had a promo from Paul Heyman who was screaming into directly into the microphone and into the camera saying, go ahead. I, I dare you to throw us off TV. I dare you to shut us off. Like, you know, he was just trying to go out with a blaze because they knew they weren't going to be able to have enough time to find themselves a TV deal in order to keep the show on the air. Uh, little did most people know that Paul Heyman did have a, a plan to move ECW into a new format. He was going to rebrand ECW a bit to try to keep himself from being, you know, taken off the air. He had a lot of, uh, a lot of mouths to feed, including his own and his family's. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go from there. We're going to say that, uh, ECW was on TNN, but I think what would have been best for ECW is if Spike TV came along and quite possibly MTV, who ECW definitely marketed most of their content to, uh, was the East, there was the MTV audience, the young demographic, the more edgy demographic. Uh, and let's say they landed on Spike because Spike would have been able to put them on a later time slot where they could have still been a little edgier. Uh, Spike also would have, would have just been the right place for them. We saw that with uh, TNA impact for there for a little while. Um, 100% Paul Heyman would have slowed down on the quote unquote extreme or hardcore because extreme wasn't necessarily meant to mean hardcore extreme in ECW just meant it was an extreme thing like the cruiserweights and all the stuff that, that Bischoff you, you gave it you gave it your all you didn't you know yeah it, it was an extreme you left show. everything in the ring whether it was you know a, a thousand holds or a pint of blood you know but exactly. yeah you, you went all out yeah not to use AEW figure right um that being said uh I think and we talked about last week you know what if if Bischoff would have been able to buy WCW and I came to the conclusion that I think after about 10 years or so that it still would have gone under um, in my personal opinion. And then I'll, and I'll pass it on to you. Um, I think that the way Paul Heyman talks about what direction he wanted to take ECW, it would have turned into more of an NXT AEW esque show, you know, if they would have been able to secure a, secure a TV deal, um, they would have been able to maybe hold on to some of the talent that had no choice but to go to ECW or to the WWE. Uh, the Cruiserweights being a specific example with the Radicals and uh, you know Mysterio and those guys. 
at Malenko, you know, they were the ushers of the not hardcore, but extreme style of wrestling that the U S hadn't really seen very much of. Um, I personally think if Heyman would have been able to hold, keep control of his roster and keep control of his, uh, his angst, uh, in the business and would have been able to work with his sponsors and that kind of thing. I feel like ECW could have held on stronger for longer than even EC or WCW would have at the time. What do you think? And, uh, this is where you and I disagree. Um, and first off, uh, I watched, uh, to do a little research cause I was, I was not an ECW person i didn't even know about them until i was working at family video and i saw one of the big views on uh vhs and i was like what the hell is this ecw and uh you know uh you know i was a wcw wwe guy and then you know always been a wwe guy so i don't know anything about this and then you know i was hearing about all these people that came from ecw um, which I watched the rise and fall. I watched most of the rise and fall of ECW this morning, which I found funny that uh, Paul Heyman said, yeah, Bischoff and Vince raided our talent. And Bischoff got on there. He said, it's not a raid. If you go in and you offer more money and people call you and stuff, it's not. A-. And then Vince gets on there. He goes, oh yeah, we fucking raided him. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Um, well, and but, that, was uh, the, that was the thing with Vince too, is he, he was able to be upfront about it because he was paying ECW or ECW yeah. the whole time off anyway. So, so yeah, yeah, they were building great talent. I mean, you know, yeah, we wouldn't have uh, Malenko and, you know, Benoit and Guerrero and Jericho without ECW and they got poached. And then Heyman said, well, I'll bring in the luchadors and you're going to see this that you've never seen before. And then, WCW poached them and uh you know so he was on the forefront he was doing you know he he brought about the attitude era um you know the 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 violence and stuff yet had to be toned down and stuff but that would have never happened if it wasn't for ECW um it was for ECW and WCW going more real um WWE, I think, looked at both of them and then said, okay, we're going to take this part and we're going to take this part. And then you have fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, and then you have The Rock. And um, so, but going down the road, uh, yeah, extreme championship wrestling didn't mean blood and guts. But at the same time, that was one of the things that people loved. Um, fully even... <laughs> talked about that in his anti-hardcore messages yeah or promos that he was AI you know bleed for you lose my teeth lose my ear and it's never enough and you know the fans wanted more the fans, they, they would have signs that say we want blood so oh. I oh go ahead oh that's all right go ahead oh um so I think that that would have turned off a lot of fans uh because he couldn't have kept that up forever, you know, see, and, and, and I agree, I agree. And I think there would come a time when somebody, I mean, fucking what Sabu broke his neck in the ring. Um, Taz, Taz broke his neck in there. Mass transit almost got murdered. 
that know, was his that uh, was his own fault, and I'll stick with yeah, that. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that, but uh, well, yeah, and New Jack's fault because New Jack, everybody it holds him in high regard. That motherfucker didn't know when to turn it off. I mean, he thought that everything That's was why. A shoot. That's why and, you know he like, was a spectacle more than he was a, a great pro wrestler. Yeah, he would literally go out there and try to fucking murder you. Uh, and depending um, on who you are, who you were, and what you said before the match, yeah. Um, I and that's the thing. I I totally agree that the blood and guts and the violence would not have lasted. But the thing is, you got to also remember. So we say, you know, we took away ECW. The fans still wanted it. We ended up with CZW. We ended up with XPW uh, there for a while. We th- Those fans, those hardcore fans, they got their extreme after it was gone. But based on the fact that Heyman was willing to take the, the product into a new direction, slowly but surely they would have been able to tone it down to a point where they still would have had their hardcore fans. And I don't mean hardcore as in violent. I mean hardcore yeah, I mean, hardcore fans of the hard, yeah. that would have followed them into whatever direction as long as it wasn't, you know, uh, Mantar and, you know, the gobbledygooker and that kind of thing. But, and Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Right. But I will say that, and, and this may, you know, this may tick off some of the more diehard ECW fans, but I think they would have had to get rid of guys like Sabu on a full-time main eventer schedule yeah something you know because he just you know he he was great for what he was but he he wasn't he didn't do a lot of pro wrestling he was an extreme wrestler same with one of my favorites from the era and now wouldn't have translated anywhere near as well was sandman to me Mm -hmm. moxley is the evolution of a guy like sandman where he can fucking wrestle he's a good wrestler he's a great wrestler but he's also that fucking give no shits beat me up and i'm gonna beat you up it it's almost a very similar gimmick um but sandman couldn't go like they named him hack in wcw you know what i mean like and then eventually he had some of the better storylines in ecw history where he was blinded by raven cigarette and you know, and then he, he ended up having his son taken away by Raven and Raven brainwashed his whole family and Sandman's down on his knees, bawling his eyes out, pleading for his son and his family to come back to him. That whole angle was fantastic. You know, they, they, they had a lot of angles with Sandman where they're great, but as far as trying to build a new product into the future and into a, a new era of ECW, you would have had to gotten rid of him, at least as far as being one of the guys fighting for the world title. But you guys, you had guys like Rob Van Dam who were undoubtedly the future of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, if they would have still had ties with WWE, you still could have had crossovers with Taz, which maybe would have, we would have seen Taz in a more active angle, maybe trading back and forth with him since he wasn't really used like we thought he would be on raw or SmackDown uh, when he debuted there. Um, you had Mike Awesome, who had left for WCW, but was great. Uh, you know, we could have gotten him back. Uh, because the thing is... It wasn't, it wasn't a Candido. Candido? Yeah, I mean, and that's... Yeah, I mean, well, and so we also have to look at it this way. Had Heyman been able to get a hold on not only a TV deal, but had a hold on the money, which if you ask or, you know, anybody from those days that worked for Paul Heyman, there's a, a small hand few that said 
They never had any financial issues with Heyman, but the higher majority of people that worked for Paul Heyman didn't see a lot of money, if any. Uh, some of them are still to this day waiting for a check from WCW. Uh, so had he been able to get a hold on his money and they would have been able to actually make some money and build some money, they could have taken some of those talents back. There was guys that didn't want to go to WCW or, or w, WWE, you know, that wanted to stay there. They wanted to see that product grow. Yeah, Help. they just, they had families. They had mortgages yeah, I mean, and some shit. Shit. I mean, uh, Lance Storm is one of the guys that said he was never screwed by Paul Heyman financially, and he didn't really want to go anywhere. He wanted to see that that company grow. Same with Raven. Same with RVD. I mean, RVD was the king, in my opinion, at that era. He was the image that I think he wanted to go with, with Paul being Paul Heyman. Same with Taz. He wanted more of that kind of UFC-esque shoot fight style that we all know now as being like the indie style, you know, that, that whole kind of blur the line, more kicks and flies, you know, like the, it was more of a legit feeling product. So the reason why I see it, I feel like it would have lasted is because if and only if Paul Heyman were able to get a handle on a, a couple of things and also delegate some of the power that he had to other people other than the Dudleys and Tommy Dreamer and those guys, because they were doing, as you probably saw in that documentary, they were doing merch. They cracked me up. They were doing the, you know, they were doing all the calls. They were, you know, everybody was doing everything. Taz was designing the t-shirts and the logos for the mm -hmm. pay-per-views, you know? Um, yeah, and, and then Dreamer, Nunzio and uh, Devon were packaging and Right. And so had they had was booking the original. <laughs> Exactly. You know, which is not a bad thing that helped that helped keep them yeah. afloat, but that talent should have been able to focus on them being talent. They needed to pay people that were able to handle those things for them. We were also creeping into the age of social media very slowly mm -hmm. at that time being 99, 2000, 2001. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're AOL instant messenger at that I point. I mean, they started WWE, WWE was doing tab taboo Tuesdays where you could vote mm -hmm. on the internet for what match types they were. And, you know, so I think if Paul Heyman would have stepped back and been the brain of creativity of the show, because he was a evil genius of cre of creative, we saw that oh, yeah. in WWE. There's no doubt. Um, I think it would have lasted longer than, obviously, more than it did. But if they would have been able to jump onto a network that wanted wrestling for one, which at that time was very hard if you weren't Vince McMahon, Nobody really cared that because, you know, ECW wasn't making a lot of money, so it was hard to market them. But if he was able to have the time to completely rebrand the product, completely rebrand his roster, not rebrand the roster, but really sh shake things up on the roster as far as who started competing for that world title. Because, you know, Jerry Lynn w and RVD had two, but three of some of the best matches in pro wrestling history. If you ask me personally, like I love highly underrated when, when he left ECW now yeah, he's in WCW and he's just kind of like the, you know, a really good enhancing talent. Oh, he's yeah. Yeah. And, and, and look at him and then, and obviously this is a weird, this is a, an interesting concept, but he is now a producer trainer in AEW where smaller guys who can work, 
leaps and bounds more than some of the bigger guys that like Vince, you know, Vince guys, that smaller era didn't, you know, Taz was not a big dude. No. RVD is not really a big dude. He's about my height. He's like six, some uh, six two. So yeah, he's right. around six feet, six two, which in WWE is average. Right. And you know, yeah. and then you had the cruiserweights, not big guys, but what was, mm-hmm. what was selling the most tickets? There was your one or two blood and guts matches, you know, which was your Sabu, your, your Sandman, those things, uh, you know, the, the rottens, you know, the, but then you had balls Mahoney, but then you had guys like RVD, Jerry Lynn, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Benoit, like those would have transitioned into his top players. They would have been the guys at the top of the card. So think about it that way. Like, considering that would have been the change in roster had they had a secure deal on TV. I think the sponsors would have changed their minds a little bit because all of those guys are top, if not God tier wrestlers at the time. So in my opinion, had he been able to secure that roster, secure that TV deal, we'd be talking about a completely different ECW today. Yeah, I, I can see your point, but I don't know. I still, uh, and I'm not just doing this to just to say, you know, just to create controversy, oh, but yeah, yeah. I, I still don't think, I don't think it would have lasted. I mean, it was the little engine that could, it was. Okay. So let, was, let me ask you this. Had they secured a TV deal, let's say spike. Okay. Mm-hmm. How much longer would they have lasted in your opinion? Once no, they, say they went, they went out and officially went to, 2001 2000 eh, I think they would have made it 2005 to 2007 but I think I mean which is funny because that's conveniently when uh one no, night stand rebranded and, yeah and the WWE CW had started so uh, that was we might have met right there we might have met right up against the re- that WWE's version of it it's kind of like yeah um you know like you were saying uh I can see, you know, the slow changes, you know, the, the, the boiling the frog in the cool water and stuff to where, you know, yeah, you know, and, and w, WWE did that too. They're, they're still doing that, you know, the, you yeah. train your audience and whatnot. I mean, any, any kind of uh, mass media will right. slowly change and stuff. So, yeah, but I still think that, it, you know, it would have fizzled out. I don't think, I don't think going up against the juggernaut, of wwe would have and yeah they had that kind of working relationship and stuff but that was all on vince vince could uh, you know vince could have said well they're getting too big for the fucking britches now you know time to put the hammer down um yeah uh okay and he could have really started poaching people left and right you know offering them big deals like he did just recently to thwart AEW. (laughs) right so so let's 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 say this okay let's say your theory is correct and around let's say 2007 2000 now we'll we'll go with 2005 is when spikes ecw had been canceled let's say though that one night stand happened a year later we gave it a year wwe and paul Heyman are discussing business regardless because they did um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Heyman ended up there and, and, and whatnot, cause he's still there to this day, but let's say 
WWE decided to make ECW their third brand as they did, but Paul Heyman never lost creative control, but it was still under the WWE umbrella. Do you think that would have lasted? Because you got to think, you have their TV time, their funding, their assets, but you have Paul Heyman as the creative force with no interruption other than, no, you can't be that violent or that gross or whatever. Yeah, okay. So, you know, um, to a point, yes, because A, in ECW, Paul Heyman was the end-all, be-all. Now he's got his other, he's got masters to answer to. So let's say they throw him on sci-fi like they did. Well, sci-fi was the reason that you got some of those shitty gimmicks. You're like, well, we're sci-fi, so we want aliens and zombies and vampires and stuff. Um, So he would have had to cater to that master. Now, Paul Heyman, being the creative genius he is, you would have been able to weave that pretty well. Um, But then he would have had the master, you know, Vince coming down. And you look at uh, NXT now, put that under the microscope, you know, then that Triple H was running everything and stuff. And then all of a sudden, basically kind of out of the blue to us, I don't know how long it's in the works in the background, but uh, Vince was like, yep, no, that's it. We're rebranding NXT. You've been working on this for six, eight, what, however many years, 10 years, however long NXT has been around. Um, but no, we're just going to take over and we're going to rebrand it. We're going to do this. We're going to do this my way. And yeah, you could still write the storylines and do this and that and stuff. But I have final say, and this, you know, we're, we're not having little guys like this. These are the people I want. And so I could see Vince doing that saying, here are the pieces to, uh, you know, here are the toys that you get to play with. You make, you know, you make the story up, but you know, you know, and Paul Hammond could say, well, I want to play with He-Man. No, you get G.I. Joe. Well, I want Thundercats. No, you only get G.I. Joe. That's well, actually, no, that wouldn't work because G.I. Joes are small. You only get He-Man. Um, those are the only figures you, you, only you get. get the 12, you, you only get the 12-inch G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, this is all you get, and that's all you get to play with. Well, what if I want Transformers? No, you don't get Transformers. You only have these toys to play with. So, it, it, I... Another, you know, I would see that fizzling out. I think it would last a little longer with Paul in control, but eventually it would, I think it would be too much. And being, you know, Paul being the you know, creative mind he is, and he was able to, A, he was able to do a lot with ECWB. He was able to give a lot of freedom to the, to the wrestlers where, you know, AEW does that now, but, you know, it's, you have the match and, yeah, RVD just grabs a mic and starts talking. Well, you know? and I, yeah, and I, I think ultimately that kind of stuff wouldn't happen, right? And I, and like I said, I think ultimately you're right. I think either way, once WCW was gone, there was no second brand. Like they were going to swoop it all up, and mm-hmm. regardless of whether they were able to bring it back, eventually control of some type would have been taken from Paul Heyman, as it has multiple times in that company. And eventually it would have fallen apart. Now, would that have maybe aided towards the, the, the an earlier development of NXT? Maybe. Would Paul Heyman have been a, an extremely good asset to have in NXT? Absolutely. I think he'd be great. Oh, yeah. AEW. He's going to be an asset no matter where he goes creatively. And he's got a specific way of making the talent feel special. And Yeah, and he, he should... 
he should definitely be teaching promo and psychology. Yeah, absolutely. He could he could pull on heartstrings. He could he could get the crowd. I mean, you knew when you were watching a Heyman episode of Raw. Oh yeah, yeah. I knew I knew the moment that he got fired from Raw from that that yeah. position because I was super like, obvious. oh, this this changed this this sucks. You yeah. know. Yeah, and so like I said, I think ultimately, unfortunately, we still would have saw the demise of ECW regardless. Um, but I think it was it was good to happen. Unfortunately, a lot you know, just like WCW, a lot of guys and girls lost their jobs and never really found work again after that. At least not to that level. Um, but I think you know, it it opened up the opportunity for like today having a, a company like. AEW who does who has taken from ECW WCW WWE Japan Mm -hmm. Mexico and and wrapped it all up like a bundle of sticks but they're all the best sticks they had from each company you know so ultimately yes ECW still would have folded alongside WCW um, and a lot of other the other territories that Vince swallowed up but um, I think regardless no matter which time frame it ended, it still did a, 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 it still was a massive influence on the business. And, uh, and yeah, so. Well, and uh, we wouldn't have got impact. We wouldn't have got, uh, we wouldn't have AEW now. Um, I, I yeah, somewhat agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we, yeah, like, you know, we wouldn't have got that abortion of what ECW was rebrand WWE CW. That was, yeah, Oh, that was the hard first two one night stands were fantastic. Oh yeah. And you should have left it there. Even the second that. one was great that had John Cena and everything on it, but they used it right. They like, yeah. Cause that's when RVD won the title. Yep. But, yeah, and then yeah, screwed and, it up for being a pothead, but and yeah, yeah. but they should have just left it, left it at that. Yeah, send it on, send it on but its merry way. That pay per view made money, man. So of course, Big Daddy Vince is going to be like, "Well, we might as well do it again, and then again, well, and yeah, then again, and, and then again." I, I also when I want yeah. control. I know you're exactly. the that was the reason it made money, and your creative image is the reason it made money. But I want it, and I, you know, and we'll we'll milk it until nobody wants it anymore, and then nobody will talk about it anymore. You know, yeah, that, and I've heard rumors that he wa- he wanted it to bring it back to squash it because people were still talking about it, so he wanted to leave a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah, who it, knows? It hasn't. It hasn't. You know. Um, but uh, uh, I think, like he said, you know, it was it was right where it needed to be, when it needed to be, and it was for how long it needed to be. It just needed to come in in a blaze of glory, turn the wrestling community, com- uh, yeah, community, the wrestling world. Uh, on its fucking heels and you know changed the game um yeah it's all I, about the game <laughs> you know you play it it's all about control but, and you can take it oh my earbuds fell out <laughs> nerd so yeah anyways um, that was uh that would that'll that'll mostly conclude uh this week's what if um yeah nice oh can, can i add something from a couple of weeks ago i guess um, one thing that we forgot in the what if with the, in the Benoit episode, this is the what if addendum, um, addendum. from a couple of weeks ago. Word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we wouldn't, uh, we would have got the continuation of the shitty Vince died storyline. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And you know uh, what? And we'll actually we could actually make that a what if down the road. Like what if Vince yeah. continued that story anyway? Oh, we can because uh, that'll so. be just pure fantasy booking at that point because nobody knows <laughs> what was good. Not one word has been brought up of why where that was supposed to be going. So. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah we'll we'll completely wang that. Um, wang it. So yeah, we had a well we had a tie. So uh, we'll throw up a new poll. Yep. Can you guys vote on it. Uh, if you don't vote, we'll pick one. And also, uh, I wanted to throw out too with the uh, with the Mount Rushmores. I'm gonna make a post on the Sideways in Time Twitter as well. I want you guys to comment on it. So I'm gonna say yes. we're gonna give you the the Mount Rushmore of best talkers or whatever, like it was this week. But whatever it is next week, we're gonna post that. Drop in your Mount Rushmores for us, and if anything, we'll give you shout outs and and give some of yours out as well as ours uh, every week because I like to include you guys. You know. And what if what if what if we post the Mount Rushmore before, like that's what I mean. Before next week's show, yeah, we yeah. post it. Yeah. We'll oh, okay. I thought you were tomorrow. gonna. Yeah, yeah, we'll post it within the week, and then that way they got time to to come. No, are you are you for next week's? Are you gonna post next week's Mount Rushmore or this week's Mount Rushmore? No, for next week's show, so that they can. Check okay. That yeah. Okay, you and I, you and I are on the same page, even though we didn't discuss it because we share a brain. Sometimes, only a quarter. Yeah, sometimes. Unless you yeah. unless you saw the picture from uh from him and I standing side by side at Jimmy Pro, where I'm like very intensely discussing something while Patrick's looking at a, you know a bird in the sky, uh whatever it was. But I saw anyway. the lights, man. I didn't have my aviators on. I saw the lights. <laughs> well, anyway, everybody, thank you so much for joining us yet again for episode three of Sideways in Time. I had a great time. I'm speaking for Pat. I'm assuming he had a great time as usual. I did. I All did. right. Uh, make sure uh, yet again follow us on Twitter at podcast kinda at Luchacris TV at Gone Patrick. Also, as usual, follow Band from Ringside Podcast at BFR Pod. Also, want to give a shout out to our buddy Stardom Podcast. Uh, you know, yeah, he, he's. I, I keep forgetting to to mention him on these shows every week, but he's a, a good friend of ours. Patrick's on one of the episode, a previous episode of that. I'm coming up eventually once I find the time to actually get on the show with him. Uh, but it's super yeah, fun. It, it is S T R D U M M B something like that. I don't know. We'll we'll add him in the in the Twitter. Yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll uh we'll add him. That that's what the kids say, right? <laughs> anyway, everybody, thanks again. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Huh? Yeah, hey, and don't forget, mark the fuck out!